Welcome to the Redacted Culture Cast. If you are finding yourself on this video, the most likely answer is, or the most likely explanation is you've, you've already been familiar with our work, uh, or my work, let's be clear. And this is a state of the channel episode to give you, in a, uh, give you a window into some of the things that happen behind the scenes, where I'm at, where, what we set out to do, how that's different than what we've accomplished, and what we're going to be doing going forward. If this, uh, if this comes across as a little foreboding, uh, I want to give you something before we get started, and that is that I believe that there is goodness in this, in, in this industry and in this culture and in, this, in, in the horizon. I don't believe that we are living in what people would refer to as like the end of days. And the reason why I don't believe that is because Jesus says in his gospel that no man knows the day or the hour. And so spending time and mental energy that could be spent making my family's life better or making your lives better, worrying about and fretting about what could be happening in our immediate future is not, is not the right thing a person should be doing. It's not something that I believe is moral. I think becoming too distracted by, let's call it the news, the media, the culture war, and forgetting your families to your, your family and losing sight of what your objective in life is would be actually an immoral thing to do. It would be immoral to get caught up in, let's just say, whinging about starving children in Africa or whatever the climate crisis is today instead of actually spending time with your family and spending time uh, correct, changing your heart towards what you ought to do. This is not a bad thing, though. And, and, and this is not a bad thing for us that we have opportunities in front of us and opportunities around us to look at what we do and say, I, am, I have missed the mark. I am off the path. I have strayed from the original intent, and I have become something that I'm not. And m me personally, how this has affected myself and how it has affected my mindset is that I have begun perceiving the world in a fatalistic worldview. I have started looking out at what is happening, whether it's the disorganization of my backyard to uh, mediocrity and poverty in the Midwest to whether or not I have a PhD at this time to hard questions that are sometimes very personal and sometimes very abstract in a somewhat fatalistic worldview that I have already failed, I have already ruined it, I have missed the mark, I cannot accomplish what I have set out to do, I am not the leader that I thought I was going to become, I have, and, 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 and over and over and over and over again. We, uh, we spent the summer visiting family in w the area that I grew up in, and during that time, I had a motorcycle crash, and so I had to sit on the couch for four or five days, and in, that, in those days, I began to spiral deeper and deeper and deeper until at a moment of reflection realized that this is not a problem that I can think myself out of. I cannot intellectualize my conditions or my circumstances, and let's just say, turn it into a nice quip or a well-described philosophical concept and then move on in life. I have to actually just face the challenges in front of me. And one of those challenges, one of those most distinct challenges is what am I even doing here on the channel? 
it's okay for us to encounter a sense of crises, having a, 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 an identity crisis of sorts. It's all right for us to encounter those things, but it's only all right if we, if we learn something from it, double down, and do what is right afterwards. If we instead sit in that perpetual experience of saying, I'm not who I'm supposed to be, I'm not accomplishing what I want to do, I don't know who I am anymore, and we never leave that spot, what we are doing is we are effectively creating a never-ending pool of masturbation. It is a, it, 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 in order for me to say that there is, I am not who I am supposed to be, you require the idea of who you think you should be and, usually, and, and, and why that's different than reality. And why I think it's masturbatory is because you, in a sense, get to say, you get to do the have your cake and eat it too mentality, or even more specific, if you're familiar with what I've spoken about in the past, this idea of having... <coughs> the fruit without the vine, you can have the fruit of the labor without the actual labor, the labor being doing the work, you get to say, well, I would, I was going to become something great. I am the main character in the book, Great Expectations. And that allows you to sort of puff your chest up, even though it's probably going to be internal, while it allows you to puff your chest up, even if it's internal and only in your mind, while you don't have to actually do the work of making that a reality. And so this is, the, this is the point that I'm trying to make in that, in that saying, while I have encountered, um, I've, had, I've had opportunities over the summer to reflect on who I am versus who I thought I would be and what I'm doing versus what I set out to do and who I thought I was going to be at this age versus who I am now. There is no way where I can, there, 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 at some point in time, I have to stop thinking about it and I have to start doing things. And I have to start acting. And so you might think of things like getting a job, changing your career, going to school, building a business, and, and so on and so forth. And how, however, for me, and in, in this circumstance, the, the answer is I need to start doing the work that I believe that I set out to do when I started going to school for philosophy. And that is providing you the tools the intellectual tools, playing my role in society, playing my role in our community. And that role is not being, that role is bringing intellectual tools to the table, particularly for men or the concept of violence and how we as gun culture look at it, as well as how we as a country as a whole look at uh, meaningful and consequential concepts like violence. How do we look at philosophy? How do we understand the bits and pieces of our mind, the abstract concepts, the morals, the principles, the uh, premises, and so forth that we hold to, that we believe to be true, that have so much of a trickle-down major impact on our society. And so that is, that is what I set out to do, and instead I have, uh, and, and I'm not saying that we've completely missed the mark and we've gone off the rails completely, it's that I've been finding it more and more and more difficult to illuminate, isolate, identify those tools, and present them to you as the audience. And, and so that's, that is what I aim to fix, is that, is that just like in training for any sort of self-defense with a tool, right, shooting a firearm, having equipment sets you up to be able to accomplish the task more effectively. It, 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 in, in a way, um, there's a certain moral dilemma of expecting people to accomplish, say, a mission, a night raid, go do a shooting, or whatever the thing that needs to happen, 
um, without having the tools. And so if in the same way that our culture, specifically gun culture, or maybe most importantly, gun culture illuminates this difference without... Um, Gun culture illuminates this difference because it is so personal to me. It's something I'm so ingrained in. Uh, and, and, and the difference is we have all of the physical tools necessary for our self-defense and, 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 and our, f our future endeavors. We are fully capable when it comes to access of guns, whether it's training we're getting better at. We have plate carriers and night vision. Uh, the, the, the what you call gun culture, what the firearms industry in this circle, this community, because I really do think it's more of a community than it is an industry at this point. Uh, what it has done is it, we have shifted from an older way of thinking and we have completed that shift. I don't think we're in it anymore. I think we've more or less completed it. And I'm going to make that statement with a sense of authority. We are no longer in the era where those limitations are what separate people. Um, you can have night vision, you can have firearms, you can have a suppressor, you can have a short-barreled rifle, you can have all these things. There are hurdles that need to be overcome, but as far as the cultural assumption for the gun industry and the firearms community, we do not begin from the assumption that only some people get to have that. We begin from the position of how do I change my life or how do I make decisions in order to be in that position. In other words, we don't assume that only only special operations veterans get to have night vision. We actually have that is so foreign to the modern, our contemporary idea that um, we no longer are in that. We are no longer in that arena. We're no longer on that stage. Now there are going to be some things that are legally dividing. There are going to be things like it's hard to get full powered lasers, or it's it's considered a gray market question. Uh, we don't exactly have belt fed machine guns and rocket-propelled grenades in the back of our trunk. I mean, you don't. I probably don't, but please don't ask. Don't tell the ATF. I don't want them coming to my house. And so you get the point here, is that though there are still some uh, examples of exclusivity, there are still some e examples of exclusivity within the firearms industry and gun culture, that exclusivity is not as obvious or it's, it's not as clearly outlined with gear but rather now since we have all since this generational shift has taken place and we are i am taking my responsibility as a 33 year old man in the gun culture talking to a computer listening uh, talking to a microphone looking into a camera uh, what I am saying is that what I what we need to, what I need to bring to the table and what I need to bring to you are ideas. I need to be able to bring not just ideas like wouldn't it be cool if, but I but the the building block ideas that inform us as individuals and cultures when we have to make extremely difficult decisions that include things like life or death, right and wrong, immoral or moral, left or right, young man. <clears throat> and this is illuminated in a in a poll that I put up on Instagram. Instagram is the platform where I have the most interaction, and so I'm I'm the most active there. And, and I believe that will eventually change one day. And which platform it will be, I do not know. Um, but that is, and, and and I'm thankful for the tool of Instagram. But let's not rabbit trail that topic now. But I put up a, a poll asking which way Western man is it revolution or is it philosophy? And a timeline in my history, or a timeline in history, in a, in, a, in a series of events in history that I I, I think I am pathologically obsessed with would be the French Revolution. And it, I, I think I'm, I'm more interested, I'm more emotionally drawn and mentally drawn to the French Revolution than even the American one because of how 
catastrophic it was. How 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 in in many in many ways we look back at the American Revolution as somewhat of an organized event. Not saying that it was entirely, but it was people rising up against tyranny that was taking their guns and and so on and so forth. And it was a it, and it built a nation. Whereas the French Revolution didn't build a nation. The French Revolution uh, killed millions of people. And the French Revolution, if we're just talking about the population of Paris, uh, didn't really fall by that 3% rule that people like to throw out every once in a while, that like it was only 3% of the American population partook in the American Revolution, which is not true. I mean, it's not really correct. That's just minimizing, uh, reducing what being involved in uh, meant to just people who might have been carrying a musket. Um, someone had to cook, someone had to clean, someone had to take care of the home, someone had to take, take, take care of the farm and the homesteads. People were rounded up, villages were burned. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot more that went into it. But let's not get too distracted. The French Revolution... Um, the French Revolution is also is is an event in history because uh, of so much significance because of the philosophy that went into it. It was an indicative event in the changing timeline of history, where the French no longer saw themselves as a kingdom, but non, but now decided to see themselves as a nation. And being a nation means that the population has significance to their land. They have ownership over it they're part and parcel owners of it they have component they have agency within their environment whereas in a kingdom they the, and this this is how it was told to me in a history class a long time ago is that the french people went from saying i am a subject of the french king to i am a frenchman i that this and i'm paraphrasing in english because it's not really a, it's not a direct quote but that would be effectively the difference is that there was a time where it was normal and it was considered fine it wasn't just like ah oh, tyranny all the time but there where people saw themselves as subjects of the french king and then they changed their attitude they changed their political philosophy to say we are the french people and i think that's what's going on and that would that is what how do i say this um that is, the, that is the significance of philosophy to that time. That shift underwent, uh, that, that, that change in philosophy, that identification of a, di a change in mindset, that development of a belief system that had premises and alternatives. You had Voltaire, you had the, the tennis court revolution, you had, or the tennis court, whatever it's called. Um, but you get my point here. You had all these events that took place before the French Revolution that were Enlightenment-heavy philosophical conversations and ideas. And then, as a result, we got the French Revolution. And, and so when I ask the question, which way Western man, is it philosophy or revolution? The answer is, is, is going to be both. And, and so I admit that the, the, the question itself was a bit of a trap. But I, it, it, it was given out in one of those moments where it said, now's the time. Let's ask this question and see what's going on, especially with what's going on with Trump and what's going on over here and in American politics and just complaining, 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 right? And that means I will, and I'm, and I'm going to begin wrapping this up here. So if you've been, if you've kind of tuned out a little bit, I will try to catch your attention real quick. And that is this. The way that Redacted functions and operates is going to change. And it's going to change in a way that I believe will be better for you and for me, both sides of this relationship. Uh, it is important for us as individuals when we are in relationships with one another to manage expectations. What do, I, what do I expect from you? What do I know from you? Can I even communicate that? 
And you see this, uh, you see this go wrong very oftentimes in relationships like husbands and wives, but also within between individuals and companies. And this is where I think uh, this is, tends to be one of the events, one of the causes of so much drama that takes place in our industry and other and, and beyond. So, here's what you can expect from Redacted. In the morning, I will be publishing shorter episodes, one a day, that keep a that are that are they're intentionally shorter that focus on a single topic, a single tool, in a concept, a philosophical idea. And they're going to be long enough, they're just going to be long enough to get the idea out. It's kind of like what James Lindsay does with his bullet points or whatever it is. But instead of it being on wokeness, it's going to be on philosophy. And I will be trying to tie those into how we understand things like gun culture and violence. In addition to that, we are going to be continuing to interview people within gun culture but those are going to be published separately. So let's just say, you know, what a day looks like. You, you have in the morning, you have an episode come out from Redacted. And I will, I will be publishing an episode from Redacted. We're going to keep the same timeline. Uh, so 7, 8-ish o'clock, maybe 7 or 8-ish o'clock in the morning. Let's see, because I'm, I'm in Arizona right now, and we haven't done the daylight savings thing. So it's right now set up for... 7 o'clock Pacific time. Let's just do that, right? It'll be going, uh, it'll be going live 7 o'clock Pacific time, which will allow you 7, 7 a.m. Pacific time. Which would be 8, 9, 9. Oh, that's like 10. Maybe we should push it a little bit earlier. We'll figure it out. But <clears throat> you have something in the morning that, uh, that is a, a shorter piece on a topic. An example being, we're gonna talk, one of the first ones we're going to cover is the Euthyphro Dilemma. And the Euthyphro Dilemma was brought by Socrates, written about by Plato, that had to do with, does God love that which is good because it is good? Or do the gods love, or is that which is good, is it good because the gods love it? This is Socrates talking in a Greek pantheistic environment at the time. And, and so we're going to, this the Euthyphro Dilemma, and why you, what, how does that, what does that look like? How do, how are, how are some ways that it has been answered, or, or what are the answers, why, what is the significance of the question? And then that'll be the morning pieces, and then throughout, um, throughout the week, we will be publishing longer form interviews between me and somebody else, and some of those I'll be traveling to, and some of them will be hosted over the computer, but those longer form interviews and those longer form conversations are going to be a mix of philosophy, gun culture, and what's going on and why we're talking to them. In other words, that's going to stay the same, but we're going to keep those a little bit longer because splitting them up um, is not it's not, a, it's not a bad thing. It just doesn't produce uh, the results that we need. It doesn't. It's not even results. It's just I can't. Um, they they need they, they, the conversations go better when we focus on the conversation, not cr trying to create something like a soundbite or something like a, a a segment. And if they're if they're natural, they're if they're naturally able to be broken up, then I will break them up. But let's just leave it at that. So longer form conversations between peoples because I believe good conversations require a little bit of room to breathe and then shorter segments in the morning that are focused on philosophical topics and their application to gun culture and violence and war and these things that we talk about. From there on, um, we're going to need to figure out how to add, continue adding more value, but one of the ways that we try to pay some of our bills is that we use 
redacted culture the redacted culture at on locals that's redactedculture.locals.com it's called the black site for a reason uh we were putting we were getting ready to put on a big event this year and je- if you're hearing about this now it's because it, it if you're only hearing about it now it's because it was made available exclusively to members on that platform people who support us we're looking at what it it's changed we're, we've changed the terms on it we've changed what's going on and we're looking at what's going on next year but there is the if you want to support this channel and you're in an economic position to do so, that's what happens. Again, redactedculture.locals.com. We'll get onto that later. And then the merch sales is the what we sell for t-shirts and branding stuff and items. I'm working on some products that are firearms culture related. Uh, that's going to be sold through our store. And and that's how we try to keep things going. But I've come, uh, we've come to terms with this year that the economy is not in such a state where everyone can support us. That's just quite frankly the truth. Every, numbers are down across the board. It makes sense. This is I'm going to make an argument that's not a solidified argument, but you'll you'll hear more about it in the future. And that is that I believe that the brace ruling has effectively cre- uh, magnified what we would call the uh, economic decline of the country. It has magnified it, the effects of an economic, uh, or economic, what do you call it, um, recession, whatever, the, the proto-pre-recession or light recession light or, or depression light, whatever you want to call it. But the, the, the brace ruling has magnified the effects of the economy on gun culture because it is to, and effectively taking out what could be as much as 30% of our industry's financial capability. Companies that make their living selling a product let's just use examples daniel defense um anything from daniel defense to pof to maxim defense to any company that sells ar-15s suddenly an entire chunk of their market is gone and it was gone over well over 120 days but overnight effectively and that means the company doesn't have the same revenue, which means it needs to let people go. And those people need to quit the company and they need to go into other jobs. But because they come from gun culture, it's not an easy one-to-one transition. And so you see what's going on here. Is that I, I exp- If you see what's going on here and what I'm saying is, is that the brace ruling has, uh, has made a major economic impact on gun culture. And I feel that, and I think you feel that, and, and, and most of us in this industry are feeling it pretty hard. Sales are down for everyone. And it's not only sales, but it's that crunch time where we're not really, we're in a very slow year. It's not, well, I mean, we're in a slow year that feels like it's, ever, it's, it's like a train crashing into the wall. It's escalating ever more. And so um, I, I, I feel that way. And I, I feel it, I see it, I see it in, in my bank account. I see it in other people's businesses. I see it across the board. And what Redacted has been up to this point is an entirely subsidized venture. We have uh, lost, we have spent more money keeping Redacted running than it has put money in our account um, by a a decent amount. And we knew that was going to happen. When I say we, I mean my family and I decided to take on this venture and now this is what we're looking at. And so we need to change how we do it. It doesn't mean I'm leaving you. It doesn't mean I'm abandoning you. And it doesn't mean I'm, I, 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 I don't want to do this anymore. It's that um, I need to be able to pay my mortgage and I need to be able to pay my bills. And so do you. And we all need to do this. And so we are, feel, we are stepping in and stepping out at the same time. What we are, how we are doubling down on is that we are going to have our content more measured and more regular. What that also means is, uh, what that means for me 
and, and it, it's just the answer is um, I need to find ways to add more value to you guys. I need it. I do. I believe that the market should be one that regulates itself. And if I am not adding value to your lives, I do not expect you to pay me for it. And the two ways that we're doing that is we're continuing to host the important conversations that I think gun culture is trying to have with itself, like with people like Ethan Walters and with the guys over at Flux and the guys over at, if I can get, you know, this name, that name, Justin over, Justin Nazarov of, of um, Phoenix Ammo and, and keep expanding out that way. We want to have admin results on and grant them. And we want to talk about the things that really I think are pulling at our lives Instead of uh, things like barrel length, because you can have that conversation with your friends at the range, but we are bringing back the ideas, the philosophical heart to this industry. We are bringing back the rights, the passion, the commitment, and we are doing that one step at a time. And Redacted began as an idea, and it was a business built on ideas. And if those ideas are not worth your time, then I do not expect you to make it an effort to follow along. If they are a waste of your air, I'm not going to blame you for not getting it. So... That's what we are doing moving forward. And what that looks like for us is we have currently reopened the pre-order for the t-shirts and the hoodies because we kept it open all of August. And uh, we got enough pre-orders in to keep going, but not enough to make it worth it, if that makes sense. Uh, and, and that means we need a few more in. We need to get a few more pre-orders for the T-shirts and the hoodies so that when I go to my printer and say this is what the numbers look like, he's not doing me another favor, printing another order that almost functions as a loss for him. That being said, we are that that is available over at redactedllc.com, and I am thankful for those of you who have already jumped on and your patience, and for those who are still missing an order, there's only one guy left, and uh, there wasn't many, but there's only one guy who's probably still waiting for his blacked-out T-shirt. Uh, I got you, bud. We're going to make this work. So that being the case, that being the case, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for the way that gun culture has gone in the last year. I want to thank you for spending time listening to me talk about my business and my personal life with you. And I want to thank you for being a, this, this thing that we actually do love, and that is a community, and that is a culture, and that there, though there are difficulties that we face in our political lives, in our business lives, in our marriages, in our communities, uh, we are actually choosing deliberately, or many of us within gun culture are faced with the choice within ourselves to either isolate or, 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 or step out. And I see more people stepping out than isolating. I see more of us in gun culture saying, I am not going to go quietly into that dark night. I am seeing more of us go, okay, this sucks. I don't know how to deal with it, but I'm going to talk to somebody about it. And, and that's good. We need to keep that up. So thank you for spending time with me here. Thank you for listening to the Redacted Culture Cast. Thank you for your support. And when I say things like go forth and conquer, I am committed to, and I believe that we as a culture are committed to the very true foundational reality that we are agents in a world. We can act. We can make the world, not in our image, because we are not God, but we can make the world that we live in into something that we want to continue living in, that we are capable of producing efficacious action, and with that comes responsibility, and we are capable of evaluating moral questions, and we are capable of doing 
that which we ought, and we are made capable of that, in my belief, because Christ came and died for us on the cross. And so, with that, with that being the conclusion, if that feels like a bait-and-switch, tough luck, buttercup. If that doesn't feel like a bait-and-switch, but gets you fired up to go on and build and, and, and make your lives better, I think I have accomplished my task. So, in closing, thank you for your time. I appreciate the support. It keeps the it, it does keep the lights on. Well, it hasn't, but I believe it will. And thank you for encouraging one another to be men, to be men of valor, and to seek after that which is right and true and good. In closing, go forth and conquer.